Last Sunday, around noon, as we were wrapping up here, I got a text that said Gordon Barnes had passed away. In fact, I spent the morning texting back and forth with Debbie and uh, getting updated on information about his prognosis, and I really believed he would be healed. On Wednesday, we had a memorial service for him. September 20, we're going to include a memorial for him here as we gather to worship on a Sunday morning. Gordon was a man of great faith. He was healed of numerous things. The last was, you all probably remember, the last one being his kidneys. We had been on dialysis, and the dialysis... uh, actually got a port into his body so he could do the dialysis at home because this was a condition that was to be until, well, as long as he needed it, as long as he was alive. The Lord healed him. It reversed. His kidneys began to function again. Can't deny that. A man who was filled with faith, who shared Jesus nonstop, and as people remember him, The main thing they remember is how he shared Jesus everywhere he went and with everyone he he met. I got to tell you, I was disappointed. Really disappointed. Thinking back, remember another incident. An apostolic leader in another country, his wife was diagnosed with cancer and we prayed into that, and, and the medical professional said she's been healed. She basically said she's been cleared of cancer. There's no cancer in her body. She got another cancer, different kind of cancer. We prayed into that. Again, she was healed, and the medical profession confirmed it. And a third time, she was diagnosed with cancer, and she died. A woman of great faith, a husband that prays for Hundreds of people to be healed, and they're healed, and yet still remember the day we, Rebecca and I went with him to visit the grave, and just the, the sorrow, the sadness of how could that be? If God can heal a kidney, Why couldn't he heal a virus? If God can heal cancer, two different kinds of cancer in the same body, why couldn't he heal a third, which was even less aggressive than the first two? Questions. Here we teach about healing on a regular basis. And as you've noticed, we don't have um, nice step-by-step how-to-be-healed teaching. When we teach about healing, we go into the Scriptures and we look at the stories of how Jesus healed people and we simply camp out on those stories about how it was that Jesus did it on that occasion, in that setting, with that person. Because the truth is, this is always changing. It's always different. Every story has its uniqueness. We teach about healing, not because we have figured out how that works and for us to get what we want, but because we believe that God does heal. We also know that part of these stories is from Hebrews 9, 27, for each one of us is appointed to die once. That's part of our condition. That's part of what awaits us. That's part of being alive. But when it happens, when it happens, depending on the circumstances, we end up with lots of questions. I talked to Diane on Friday, and she told me that about a woman that Gordon was praying for, also with kidney illness, who he was encouraging and praying for. And she said, you know what, Uh, that was as he was on the last, his last breaths. The last phone call he made was to that woman to encourage her 
in her healing process. Healing is real. But so is death. In the years 2013 and 14, I was diagnosed with cancer and I was healed. I also had internal bleeding and I was in the hospital and, 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 and the blood was bleeding into my in chest cavity faster than they could pump it in. That's not a good sign. And the medical professionals figured it out and it was a quick fix. It was simply, a, you know, just had to go in and zap a vein that had been ruptured. Stop bleeding. Same year, Rebecca had two major surgeries. In the same year. And she'd been healed of lupus, medically confirmed. Healed of rheumatoid arthritis. Again, all the confirmation you need on that. Other illnesses that she had had along the way, she'd been healed and she'd been healed, but these two required surgery and the medical profession used their skills twice in amazing ways that in both cases extended her life. Our health is so important. We spend so much time and money and effort related to our health, even though perhaps we don't eat like we should or exercise like we should and do the things that we know we should be doing for our health sake, but we spend a lot of time and energy and, 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 and money because health is important. Here we pray for healing. We share stories of how God healed. We help each other through those times of debilitating health issues. And again, like I said, we teach about healing on a regular basis. Because we serve a God who heals. Not because we have figured God out and can get what we want. But we also recognize that sometimes the medical profession is incredibly important. Helps tremendously in the healing process. So we're not anti-anything here. We are for healing. And when... We're not healed. When that day that's appointed to us does come, it doesn't change the fact that God is a God who heals and that the medical profession has great skills to help in the healing process. And so when we approach those moments of Lots of questions about the why, why, why. The place where I believe we need to start is acknowledging God is a God that heals. The medical profession has great skill to help in the healing process. And yet we ended up with a result we did not particularly like. Coming off of an event like Gordon's death is it's easy to dwell on the questions. It's easy to ask the kind of questions that actually lead us toward not being sure about God healing or perhaps even not being sure about the medical profession. But that's the wrong place to start. I think we need to step back and ask the question, how can we build our faith to believe that God can heal us for when we need it? How do we build each other's faith? What is it that causes us to be able to step back into the presence of God with an illness that we have and ask for God to heal? How, what does it take for that woman who Gordon was praying for to believe? That yes, God can heal her kidney even though Gordon died. I read in, let's read in Acts chapter 5 and then chapter 19, two interesting passages. And we read in Acts chapter 5, 
verses 12 to 15. Meanwhile, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. That was just part of a day's work. If you were part of the community of faith, part of what you did every day was you performed signs and miracles and healed people. And, and, and that's just what everybody who followed Jesus was supposed to be doing. And we drop down here to verse, uh, that was verse 12, drop, drop down here to 15 and 16. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Crowds came in from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Now, let's jump down here to Acts chapter 19, and we see uh, a passage of Paul uh, doing unusual miracles. 19 verses 11 and 12. God gave Paul the power to do unusual miracles, so that even when handkerchiefs or claws that had touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and any evil spirits within them came out. That's crazy stuff. It's not something we see every day. I'd like to see when somebody's shadow heals people. I'd like to see when that uh, handkerchief, handkerchief trick actually works and isn't just a fundraiser. All right. You know what I'm talking about if you watch Christian TV. I'd like to share seven things that I believe help us increase our faith. Increase each other's faith so that in spite of the questions that we have, in spite of the fears that we might have, in spite of the stuff that happens that the enemy would try to use to cause us to not believe that God can heal, our faith remains strong so that we do press in for that healing that God can do. Number one is credible stories of God healing others. Here in the passages I read, people told us stories of how sick people were being healed by the apostles. And if you're sick and you hear stories about how people are getting healed, what do you do? You want to go there. You want to give it a shot. This isn't about having great faith. It's about taking a chance, maybe, kind of faith. Now, I, I know it's great to talk about great faith to be healed. But the truth is, a lot of times, all we need is a maybe kind of faith. Maybe God can do it. There are a bunch of people getting healed over there, so I'm going to give it a shot because I want to be healed, and if not, I've got nothing to lose. And so people were being taken into Jerusalem. They were, um, they, 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 they were looking to see where Peter was walking. They would try to get in the way of his shadow because they saw that that's what others were doing. And it had nothing to do with their faith in God to heal. It had nothing to do with a teaching they'd gotten from Peter. It had everything to do with the fact that they knew a friend who sat where Peter's shadow hit them and they were healed, so they were going to try the same thing. Do you think there should be more to it than that? Well, Gordon's, God healed Gordon's kidney. And so when you tell that story, others who had malfunctioning kidneys would be like, what do, I have, what do I have to lose? And Gordon prayed for lots and lots of people for healing of their kidneys simply because, well, that guy's kidneys are healed. He's not on dialysis anymore. Uh, I'm sick and tired of this dialysis. Uh, sure, pray for me. It doesn't really... You know, if it doesn't make a difference, it doesn't make a difference. But maybe, maybe kind of faith. See, I'm standing here, I'm thinking, no, no, I should be teaching you guys to have great faith for healing. Well, that's, that'd be nice. That's, that's, that's really wonderful. When people have great faith for healing, it's a little bit easier to pray for them. But it doesn't tie God's hands when it comes to healing people. And so people would tell stories of how sick people were healed by the apostles and their friends would bring the sick people to sit there where Peter's shadow could hit them. People took Paul's handkerchiefs and claws and told the story to their friends of how people were healed. And, and there were folks that were healed that didn't want to even be touched by that handkerchief. How do I know that? I know people. <laughs> you know, your, your, your super um, spiritual uh, sister-in-law. Goes to a meeting and comes back with a handkerchief and wants to touch you with a handkerchief so you get healed. Now, ah, let me take a survey here. I'd say 87% of us here would probably be somewhat resistant to that. Am I, am I, you think I, 
Am I getting the percentage right? More or less? And so your super spiritual sister-in-law figures out a way to zap you with a handkerchief anyway. And, 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 and you get healed. I mean, those are the stories of what was happening here with Paul's handkerchief. It wasn't, oh, I got this handkerchief. It touched Paul. Who's Paul? Oh, he's, he's, uh, he used to be a, 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 a Pharisee, but he's not anymore. Oh, there's something wrong with that story. Uh, now now, now he's, he's a Christian. He's a believer. Ooh, those people. I've heard stories. See, it, it wasn't the most well-received thing to get touched by Paul's handkerchief. And yet when people were, they were healed. What makes a story credible? Well, two things. You know the person? And a person that is trustworthy, a person that you know, a person with whom you have had conversations about their medical infirmities, a person that has gone through uh, all kinds of tests and everything else tells you, I no longer have that. Depending, depending on what the condition is, it's easy to believe. A person with a bad back who suddenly stands up straight, a person who's in a wheelchair who no longer needs a wheelchair, a person who's on crutches and doesn't need the crutches anymore, you can see that it's obvious. And then, of course, the medical profession. The medical profession helps in the healing process. medical profession also confirms that a person was healed. How did we know that Gordon's kidney was healed? The medical profession. They kept taking these blood tests, and they kept saying, these are the numbers, these are the numbers, these are the numbers. And I'd tell Gordon, every time you get new numbers, send them to me. And you could see the numbers. They were going up and going up and going up, and there was a threshold that the medical profession said, this is where you can get off of dialysis. Credible, credible stories. That's why it's important to share our stories if we want to encourage others to receive the healing that only God can give. If we want to encourage people to be, have a healthy understanding of God healing and hand in hand with a medical profession assisting God's healing. We need to share our stories. Tell them. Testimonies is what uh, we call them here, but it's basically the stories of how we were healed. Of course, one of the questions that sometimes comes up when we talk about this is, why does it seem like in other countries there, people are healed more easily? I want to give you a little secret here. There are other countries that think that people here get healed all the time. Because here's how it works. We're here a year, and then we go to a country we've been to a year before, or sometimes we go someplace where we haven't been before. And we start to tell stories. Now, I've got 45 years of stories to draw on that the local pastor can't touch because everybody's already heard all his stories. People come here. I, you know, if I, if I kept telling those 45 years of stories over and over and over, you'd be like, I heard that before, I heard that before, I heard that before. But when somebody else comes and they have their 45 years worth of stories and they unpack them in 30 minutes, we're like, whoa, God is really healing over there. Just so you know, there are places around the world that think that a good shepherd, every time you turn around, somebody's getting healed because of the stories I've told. That's just the way it is. Uh, so it's just, just so, you know, just, just get that out of your head and say God somehow works more miracles and is, does more healing other places in here. Uh, it's not true. It's just a matter of how it's reported. Uh, the second thing is you see others being healed. There's nothing like seeing somebody healed before your eyes that's that's going to do. That's, you know, that, that's going to convince you, no matter what you thought beforehand. That sister-in-law comes and whacks you with a handkerchief, and suddenly your symptoms are all gone. You go, "Ooh, maybe there's something to that." You know what I mean? You know, when you experience it, when you see it, when it happens, when the person who can't see suddenly can see, when the person who couldn't talk begins to talk, when the person with leprosy goes back to normal. And we've seen those kinds of healings here, too. The migraine where the person just can't even sit straight disappears. And they're you know, just totally back. You, you can see it in their eyes. You know, those things are real. And those things, when we see others healed, when we see others healed, when we experience it ourselves, 
creates an expectation in us. Number three. It's important to have a reason to have faith that God can heal. For other people, the handkerchief was important. People had heard that Paul heals. They couldn't go to where Paul was. They didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have other options to connect directly with Paul. And so they were at home, and Paul was in another city. He was in another place. And, they were, and, and, and in their minds, they were thinking, if only I could see Paul. If only Paul could pray for me. There are certain people that have certain gifts of healings that are very specific. And if you have certain medical conditions, all things being the same, you're better off going to that person who has a higher healing rate of certain conditions than someone who doesn't. The big name isn't that as important as the fact that a person has been anointed, a person has the gift to heal certain kinds of cancer, a gift to heal certain kinds of diseases. That's not always necessary, but all things being the same. And sometimes when we're sick, we even say to ourselves, if only so-and-so would come and pray for me. I remember in Arizona, I uh, had a bit of an illness. and uh, it was in the early days of the vineyard, and John Wimber uh, had this uh, seminar. So we went to the seminar, and my, you know, I thought, oh, if only John Wimber could pray for me. And so I went up for prayer, and uh, John Wimber just sat down. I mean, he trained all these other people, so, you know, oh, well. He just sat down. He preached. He taught. He, he gave some examples. He healed a few people, and he was done. And then there were other people came and prayed for us. I was disappointed because it was like if John could pray for me. And sometimes we get that in our heads. If only Paul could pray for me. Well, Paul can't be here, but here's his handkerchief. Sometimes, sometimes we need a point of focus. Something that causes us to say, yes, that can help. Anointing with oil. Do we need to anoint with oil? Let me tell you something. A person who has gifts of healings doesn't need oil for anybody. However, there are people who need the oil to be placed on them for them to be able to receive that healing. Those are two different things. And so if anyone is sick, James tells us, call the elders. Why the elders? Why not the people who have gifts of healings? I mean, if, if, when, when, when I was sick, I was going, some of you remember in 2013 when I had cancer, I'd go up here and the prayer team was up here and I'd go over there every Sunday and ask for prayer. The elders prayed too, that was nice, but I, I, I wanted people who prayed for healing and healed people to pray for me. And uh, the elders, bless God for elders, but they often have other gifts other than gifts of healings. But sometimes... Sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's a prayer team. I want someone with authority. And so James says, just, just elders, just, just go ahead and pray for them, anoint them with oil. You know, give them, give them something, give them what they need so they can have, uh, be able to receive that healing. Uh, and and, and uh, don't worry about it, just, just do it. Are you okay with this? I mean, I'm, I'm, cutting out, I'm, I'm cutting down some of the things that we have believed for a long time about the role of elders and, and oil and that kind of stuff. But, but this, this, this is how I've seen it work. And so Paul's handkerchiefs and Peter's shadow. When we use oil, we lay on of hands. Do you have to touch someone for them to be healed? No. But there's something about laying on of hands that causes persons to be better able to receive it. It's not so much about the prayer of faith or the healing prayer. It's about how able are you to receive it. Number four, sometimes God speaks clearly. And this, when God speaks clearly like this, it's uh, like a, a no-brainer. Uh, we have a couple of stories I, I reference in your notes if you downloaded them from Rome. First one, Second Kings 20 verses uh, 1 to 17. Second Chronicles, we have the same story. Isaiah 38, 1 to 8, the same story. And this is about King Hezekiah being healed. 
And the story goes like this. Hezekiah was very sick, and he was at the point of death. And, and he, was, he was getting frantic, like many people do when they're at the point of death, become filled with anxiety and fear, especially if they don't know what is next. And so Isaiah had a word for him, the prophet Isaiah. And the word that the Lord gave Isaiah, the prophet, was one of those words we no longer hear from prophets in our day and age. Here's, here's what he said. Put your house in order because you are going to die. See ya. And Isaiah was out of he, Isaiah wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a pastoral type person. He was just a, a rugged prophet and he'd dump his word and done. Put your house in order because you are going to die. When's the last time you had a word like that from a prophet? You know, I'm like, I'd look for a different prophet, personally. Uh, and we, the Old Testament has, has stories of people looking for another prophet because they didn't like what the first prophet said. But So Hezekiah received that word. Now, Job's friends had... Uh, counsel for him that Hezekiah might have taken, curse God and die. What's the point? Give up. But instead, Hezekiah prayed. He interceded. He wept bitterly. And then God gave Isaiah another word. And sometimes you hear a prophetic word, and then you hear another prophetic word from the same prophet, and, and, and you wonder, what's, how does that line up? Well, Try to figure, you need to figure out what happened in between before it's going to make any sense. God gave Isaiah another word. After Hezekiah prayed, after Hezekiah, it wasn't just praying. He wept bitterly before the Lord. That was his intercession. And God gave Isaiah another word, and he said to Isaiah, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. Of course, when 15 years was up, Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah dropped. But it was a different word. It was a healing word. 15 more years. Prophetic words. When the Lord speaks to us, when the Lord says to, and, and a, gives a prophetic word that you know is from the Lord, don't, 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 we, we, it's, too many people put words into God's mouth and say, the Lord said you're going to be, and we need to stop that. We need to be honest. We need to be real. We only need to, when we say the Lord said, we need to make sure it was the Lord who said. But whenever the Lord says, this person will be healed, it's an easy one. You don't need much of a prayer. In the name of Jesus, be healed. You walk away, they're healed. Simple as that. And I've seen that as well. That prophetic word, uh, the voice of God that declares what the outcome will be. And all you have to do is get in line, line up with that, and declare what God already is going to do. Number five, personal experience. We see the story of 1 Samuel 7, uh, in 1 Samuel 7 where they had a great victory of the Philistines. And then we get to verse 12, and we have that up here on our, our wall uh, of remembrance in, in the lobby. And we read, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Or in P Apostle Patrick Thuo's uh, translation, um, the God of thus far is a God of the rest of the way. If he's healed before, he'll heal again. If God's healed you once of something, hey, he can heal you of that same thing all over again. And there's something about having been healed by God in the past that helps us have, be, be in, in a better place to receive that next healing. Now, you can ask the questions about Gordon. He had his kidney healed, and, and, and he should have been set up for that healing of the uh, virus. And there's so many questions that go with that. And and. But here's a little secret I want you to always remember when it comes to healing. 
no matter how clear the storyline is that you study or read of Jesus healing somebody, no matter how clear it seems from certain passages that you read about how God heals, by the time it's over, you will have more questions than answers. So that's just part of the territory. There will always be more questions than answers. And unless we're able and ready to embrace the fact that there are more questions and answers and still pursue the healing that God has for us, we're going to miss out in so many healing blessings because we'll find ourselves dwelling on the questions, not what God can do and has done. At any rate, Samuel uh, took a stone and he set it up in uh, a stone of remembrance. And I like the way that uh, Apostle Patrick Thule has restated that. That's why we have it up here. I mean, it's just so clear. The God of thus far is the God of the rest of the way until we go to be with Jesus. The stuff that God has already done, he'll do again. If he's provided financially before, he'll provide financially again. If he has healed you before, he will heal you again. If he has uh, reconciled you with family members, he'll reconcile you with more family members. If he has, you know, whatever God has done, he will keep on doing just keep pressing in for more, 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 more out of the Toronto Revival. That was one of the big prayers. More, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord. And it wasn't always more of something else. It was more of the same. More, just more. I know what that little bit was, and I just want more of it. That's a good place to be to receive that healing. Remember what God has done. The sixth one is desperation. There are numerous stories. There's one in, uh, uh, in John chapter 5 of the man by the pool of Siloam. 38 years by the pool of Siloam. He was all by himself. All the people that had been there to help him get in the pool to receive healing had abandoned him. He was by himself. Nobody to help him. He was desperate. Jesus comes along. The first person that may have talked to him that looked like someone who could actually help him. And so he reaches out to Jesus. He was desperate not for the healing that Jesus gave him. He was desperate for someone to help him get in the pool, and he thought maybe Jesus could do that. 38 years, and Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? Pick up your mat and walk. man did that, healed. But the desperation drove him to that place. Or you have the story of Naaman in the uh, Old Testament, 2 Kings 5, where Naaman has leprosy, and, and he hears that there is this guy, this, this crazy prophet that, that heals things like leprosy and, 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 and someone that you know, you, you, he would never go look for, he would never talk to, he would never want anything to do with. And he goes to talk to the prophet and he fig, waits for the prophet to come out and the prophet sends a servant and, and doesn't even give him the time of day and then tells him, go wash yourself seven times in the dirtiest river in town. Oof. Out of desperation, he did that. And was healed. And desperation sometimes is so great. We have no other place to turn. The medical profession has accomplished all that it can. All those essential oils have done what they can. Okay, I see all the essential oil people here. You're smiling. The... Uh, uh, Eating healthy hasn't really turned it around. The, uh, what are some other, I could call out a few people here for the diets that you're on to make yourselves healthy, but you know, it gets to the point where, you know what, those things just have a shelf life, and there are these illnesses, our bodies just begin to deteriorate. You know, I mean, that's, that's basically the, 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 what life is all about. From the time you're born to the time you die, your body begins to deteriorate, and that's the process of life. Just an encouraging thought for you today. And we do all we can to, to uh, keep it from deteriorating faster than it is. And, and, uh, uh, and then these things zap us, these illnesses. And we get desperate. No place else to turn. And some of the greatest healing testimonies are from desperate people who, what else? They might not be really believe in God. They might not really believe in healing. They might not really believe in all kinds of things, but they know that they don't have any other options. And I'm desperate, like Naaman. I'm desperate, like a man by the pool of Siloam. And the seventh one is intercession. 
intercession, people praying. Mark chapter 7, we read about people begging Jesus to heal a man who was deaf and, and mute. What were they doing when they, the Bible says they were begging him? They were interceding. When we say we're interceding for someone to be healed, the best way to translate that is you go back to Mark chapter 7, verses 32 and 35, and see what the people were doing. They were begging Jesus for this healing. Intercession for healing is us begging Jesus for healing. It goes a whole lot further than, Lord, please heal this person who is such a wonderful friend and has done so many good things. And if you can find your way to heal him, uh, We'd really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of how we often pray for healing. Okay, think about someone begging Jesus, the crowd begging Jesus. How were they begging Jesus? What were they saying? How was it coming out? And there's something about that kind of prayer that moves the hand of God. As we pray for people who are, are sick, uh, we want to release more of that. That's why we have prayer time for healing Saturday evenings instead of Sunday mornings, because that kind of prayer, as it progresses, will become more and more of, a, of a, an interruption to our worship here because it's going to be loud and it's not going to always sound real pleasant. I mean, last night, Christine, you had a moment of intercession like that that uh, would have scared all, all young children and up into the teenage years, you know? I mean, <laughs> okay, but it would have scared a, a fair number of people in here. And if we'd have that, have that in the middle of, uh, of worship or in the middle of a sermon, you know, uh, it, it really interrupts things. And so we, we want to, you know, we, we, we want to do things in an orderly way. And uh, if you want prayer for healing, Saturday evening, 7 o'clock, back here in the prayer room slash youth room. We'll pray, and, 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 and if nothing else, we'll scare the sickness out of you. <laughs> just just, just a, a thought. Uh, that's me, not the Bible. Just I want you to understand that. But they begged Jesus. That was intercession. The only way to interpret that into religious terminology is to say they interceded for this man. But then we need to step back and redefine what intercession is when we pray for the sick. Intercession when we pray for the sick is begging Jesus for that healing. That sort of paints a little different picture, doesn't it? Or another one, uh, Moses uh, interceding on behalf of Mir Miriam who had leprosy in Numbers, Numbers chapter 12. God healed her. Or 1 Samuel 1, when Hannah conceived a son, she interceded for that son, and God heard her prayer. And you know that intercession wasn't just quiet because it got Eli's attention. It was disruptive in, 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 in the, the different uh, things that were going on in God's house. And when she began to intercede, all eyes were on her, and Eli was like, I need to talk to this woman. That's why he knew about it. And so this intercession for healing is, 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 is that begging Jesus, begging Jesus. I, do, do, do you hear a lot of faith talk in this? Faith is a good thing to have. The more faith, the better. But here's the bottom line. Healing isn't dependent on your faith or the faith of the person that's praying. Healing is solely dependent on God's action. When God heals, he heals. And if he chooses to heal someone who has no faith, he heals. And if he chooses to heal someone who has great faith, he heals. And if he chooses, but it's all about God and his power to heal. And how we gain access to that. I've said this before, probably repeated again many times. Biggest reason, the biggest reason why people are not healed today is because we don't take that moment, we don't take that time to lay hands on that person. Okay, we'll do that after this virus. 
You know, lay hands on the person, anoint them with oil, give them a handkerchief, let our shadows fall on them. You know, whatever it is that God is indicating that we should do, the prophetic act that God is setting before us. We don't pray for people to be healed. We don't beg Jesus for that healing. We simply pat people on the back and hope. And folks, that's not going to do it. So this morning, I want to call us to press in. Let's press in for that healing. Let's press in for that healing. Let's not permit how we believe others might see us to dissuade us from crying out, from begging God as intercession, from doing other odd things or even crazy things that God might indicate that we should do. We've done some of that along the way, and we're going to do more, and it's going to increase as we go. And I keep, I keep asking those who are prophetic, as you get ideas, as the Lord downloads ideas of how we should be praying for people, I want to know that. And if you're not prophetic, but God shows you something, I want to know that, because I don't want to miss those healings that God has in store for us. And if that means making a spectacle of ourselves for someone to be healed. Yeah, we'll send Doug. <laughs> you got that one, Doug? Got to give you a five here. <clears throat> okay. You just saw that? It's easy to just point to somebody that we think would do it. But usually if it means making a spectacle of ourselves or stepping out and doing something that seems weird or odd, it means we get to do it. And if Doug can back us up, that really helps because, you know, uh, he, he doesn't mind like some others might. But if the Lord shows us something, let's do it. The Lord promised us here at Good Shepherd a couple, something years ago. It's a promise that he has given us for this church and for this region. And I want to declare it again this morning. It's from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6. And this is from the New King James Version. And this is the promise. This is what we are beginning to see. We are beginning to get a glimpse of it. We're beginning. It's beginning. It's starting. It's just starting. And I want you to think about this because it's about a highway of holiness, and we've identified that as the ancient pathway that comes down, uh, you know, it's kind of swirling, uh, spiraling around uh, Route 222. And it comes out of Burks. And when the Lord gave us this word, there was nobody, a good shepherd, who lived on that side of the Burks line between us and Reading. Now look around this morning. That's changing, and that's changing fast. There's something that's happening. God is beginning to move. He is beginning to shift things. He's beginning to change things. And now I can see this more clearly as a word that is about to happen. Verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Okay. This is not, it's not spiritualized. It wasn't meant to be spiritualized as spiritual blind eyes and, and, and that kind of thing. This, this, is, this is like blind eyes, people who can't see. It might be you can't see well because of cataracts. You can't see because your eyes don't function anymore. It can be uh, uh, colorblind. It can be, but your eyes are not. Physically, there's something wrong with your eyes. Okay, it's Just so we understand what this promise is about. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And understand, I understand that in our day and age, those who are deaf have American Sign Language, and many here have learned to communicate in ASL, and, uh, and that's great. And we need to be pressing in and learning how to have that communication with those who are deaf. But the promise here is for the deaf to hear. And not with cochlear implants, but they can hear with the ears that God has given them. Some years ago, the Lord gave me a word. I was with a pastor, deaf pastor. And the Lord said, I will heal him if he wants it. 
I'm like, ooh. I mean, I'm already setting up my, my Yoder tour, uh, going from church to church to give testimony about how God heals the, the deaf, right? I mean, this, this, this is, uh, I was, that was how clear it was. And so I asked him, I said, would you like me to pray for you to be healed? He said, no. He said, that would mean it would change so much of who I am and how I interact with those who are deaf and my role in the deaf community. And I, No, he said, I don't want that. Okay. I understand that. He's still my friend. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, that choice doesn't change the fact that, of, of the friendship. But the promise here is that ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. People will be able to hear and hear clearly over the last uh, weeks, months. We've been having a lot more people with ringing in their ears, and, and we've been wrestling with that with the Lord. What is it? What is it? That ringing in the ears, ears that are not, and, and, and some that have, are hard, at, hard of hearing and how do we press in? How do we pray for that? What are the keys? But the promise is the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And communion. One of the declarations I always make as we participate, especially in the broken body of Jesus, the bread, the, or the wafers that we use now. I can't wait till I can have a full loaf and, and like a goblet again. You know, that's uh, it's a lot more fun. And trying to figure out that little, you know what I'm talking about, that, that little, how we do it now. We have to, um, it's, it's, okay. We're doing it. We're being obedient. We're doing what we need to. We're, uh, uh, but at communion, I declare something every time. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we're healed. We serve a God who heals. We're blessed with a medical profession that can assist in the healing process in ways that are just marvelous. It's incredible what they can do. And all God needs is for those who believe that he is a God who heals. To be willing to pray for those who are sick. To do those things as we pray that God is showing us that we should do even if it seems really odd. Here's what I know about doing those odd things. We call them prophetic acts. You do enough of them, after a while it's no big deal. It's the first oh, hundred times that is a little bit hard. I want to challenge you something with something. Between now and next few months, when you meet someone who is sick, don't worry about what the sickness is. Don't worry about the situation. Don't worry about if you're doing it right or not. There's no right or wrong. Uh, it, the, the, the biggest divide is doing it or not doing it, not right and wrong. Okay? And just try to find all 100 people who are sick. Uh, I'm guessing they're probably, you'll probably meet more than 100 at work and at school and family and so forth. About 100 people and pray for them. And at least pray this, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You can pray anything else you want, but just, just make sure that part of the prayer is, in the name of Jesus, be healed. See what happens. See what happens. First hundred people I prayed for, <laughs> some got worse. Uh, that happens. When God's at work, the enemy is at work too. Sometimes they get worse. And we can talk about that some other time, why that happens. 
There were a handful that were healed. Most weren't. But there's something about just pressing through and making that a habit and doing it everywhere you go. That causes a shift in your effectiveness in praying for the sick. At the memorial service, there was a, for Gordon, there was a man that Gordon led to the Lord 49 years ago. It was, that's a long time ago, the first one he led to the Lord. Not the first one he shared Jesus with. Okay. The first one he led to the Lord. And that became an encouragement for Gordon to keep doing it after so many others that he'd shared Jesus with who never changed. And after 49 years, it had simply become a way of life. You talk to Gordon, you hear about Jesus. I believe that there's some here that God wants to call out in that way with evangelism, but also that way with healing. That if you're sick and you talk to them, you're going to get a prayer of healing because that's just who you are. Let's make that commitment. Let's pray for those who are sick. Don't worry about why they're sick. Don't worry about, the, about the, uh, any, any of the details. Just pray that they be healed. In the name of Jesus, as we worship together, I'd like to bless you. Thank you, Lord, that you have established a place of healing here. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that you've given us, for that highway of holiness, that place that will come down through this region, through that ancient path that back before the settlers came was a primary route and down into this region that was known for healing. And Lord, we declare this region that was known for healing would again be known for healing, healing that comes from your hand. And we pray, Lord, for that outpouring, an outpouring of healing, an outpouring in the name of Jesus that your name would be glorified. I invite you to raise your hands as a sign that you want to pray for the sick. Now, don't go putting your hands on people right now. Uh, well, uh, Governor Wolf will tell us when we can. But in the meantime, just as a sign, because often, you know, we lay hands on people. And Lord, as we offer our hands for healing, I pray, Lord, for your anointing on these hands that are being offered up to you. That as we lay hands on those who are sick, Lord, that what you promised, what you promised, that these signs shall follow those who believe. Lord, we believe and we de desire to have these signs following us. That we will lay our hands on the sick and they will be healed. Let's stand and worship.